With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Friday to you. Tomorrow, which is Saturday, we have another one of our old TV pieces is dropping on YouTube. It is King of the Hot Hatch. This is Episode 3 of Season 3, the Civic Type R, which we talk about a lot, and the Focus RS, which have you thought about the fact the Focus RS doesn't get talked about in general much anymore? I guess not. Have you thought about that? It's not really in the news anymore. It hasn't. It's spiked in terms of, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. It's and spiked. then it's just kind of then it had Then it had out. head gasket issues. Yeah. Then the Civic Type R landed. Then the then the Veloster landed, and now we don't talk then about the it. Super but, landed. Then the C8 landed. Exactly. But it is <laughs> but it is a very cool piece that was shot in a burned out area of a, a road in California. It's a pretty fun piece that'll be out tomorrow Saturday. We'd love for you to watch it. That's uh, noon Eastern and nine a.m. Pacific. It will drop as a scheduled piece on YouTube, so you can watch it. Then it won't be a premiere. It'll be a scheduled piece. Those seem to play a little better for our friend the algorithm. Actually, it's our enemy the algorithm. But either way, <laughs> yeah, it'll be out. Yeah. And so that's cool. So we've got a lot more stuff coming. We just shot a fast blast that was kind of unexpected. It started one way, and then they added a car. And it became a whole different thing. Mm, yeah. Interesting. So we had the Lexus LC500H, that is the hybrid version of the mm-hmm. LC500, and then lo and behold, Toyota and Lexus said, hey, the LC500 convertible is coming your way. Do you want it? We said, yeah, because that actually influenced, much to our surprise, influenced the piece. So there's an embargo on that particular car until July 29th, 2020. Yep, yep. So that's the, the piece will come out after that. But it was very interesting having both flavors of the LC500 that yeah. aren't the actual LC500. It yeah. wasn't the when it- V8. Coupe. Totally. When it first came out, it was the 500, the big 5-liter V8, and then they added the hybrid. Mm-hmm. So we had the hybrid and now the convertible, which which actually represents the 5-liter V8. So we got all of the all of the variants yeah, very were here in the driveway, and they both were the crazy yellow from Lexus. Yes. They were matching yellow. Yes. It, was, it became a very cool comparative piece that, honestly, when we had the LC500H, the hybrid one on the calendar – it was just going to be a fast blast. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's this two-car Comparo that I'm actually really excited about. We've got some cool footage. Plus, it is big-time summer here in Utah, and everything is that hyper green that on mm-hmm. camera almost looks neon. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's crazy green right now. So, and we've got that, the yellow cars. The filmmaker in me is going, that's going to be cool. <laughs> By the way, Todd sees films running in his head before we even shoot them. I he do. does have that ability. And so then we just have to pair it back and say, okay, so what shot do we have to shoot right now that matches the film running in your head? What can we actually do versus right. what I'd like to to do, which has a lot more Michael Bay explosions. We we planned a, a shoot earlier, uh, like 20 <laughs> minutes ago. Do. We planned a shoot that uh, is not in our budget range. <laughs> but we were like, those two cars would be perfect on that road. And we kind of looked at each other and went, all right, and now back to reality. It so had th- power that happens tools, too. It had explosions. It had fire trucks in it. <laughs> It was going to be awesome. Also, uh, yesterday we just dropped our canyon running piece. Oh, yeah. That was shot a little while ago, and Edgar, who shoots for us sometimes, he actually edited that piece for us, which is really cool. He brought a different sensibility to it. It's a very fun piece. Plus, you and I shot the piece very differently because it wasn't a review of our cars. We were in our own cars. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a review of some other car. It was just you and I on a scouting road trip, and we brought cameras. It was interesting, the headspace, and I'm just watching it again. I'm recalling... I didn't feel like I was working, if you know what oh, I mean. Yeah, yeah, for I sure. mean, we never really feel like we're working. <laughs> That's but, true. We're quite blessed know, in that caveat, regard. Yeah. But on yeah, the yeah. other hand, it just felt like, hey, we're just hanging out with friends. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Yeah, it was very fun. 
Yeah. So hopefully you watch that piece as well. We've got a lot more coming. We are trying really hard to stay consistent a piece every single Thursday on YouTube and sometimes Saturdays like this old TV piece. It's yeah, dropping. right. And we're right. staying consistent through a release of a TV season, which we have not traditionally been able to do because it's just too much edit. But all, everybody's chiming in right now and getting help done. And I'm going to tease it again. Paul has a Beaver Teeth piece coming. <laughs> it's on its way, guys. I, it's I on its way. I think I know what I want. I think I know. So we'll we'll see. Just a little bit more refinement and then uh, – I'll get that out. So, all right. We've got a couple of cool car debates. One from Craig G, who is a Doc and an Audi. Doesn't want to be a Doc and an Audi. <laughs> Let me explain. His wife and he just graduated from medical school and are about to start residency, and they don't okay. want to be Docs and an Audi. <laughs> I love that. Okay? okay, yeah. So we also have Livio in Romania, who is trying to convince the parents. I love he is 16, this one. lives in Romania where you can get a driver's license at 18. Both mom and dad think cars are just to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. Somehow he grew up liking cars. So we'll get to that in just a bit after the break. But we've got to jump into Craig's debate here. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, they are med school graduates. Both he and his wife are med school graduates. Craig, I've told everybody the slightest drop of blood if mm-hmm. I stab myself with an exacto or I slice a hangnail wrong. I can't even look at an x-ray. I'll hit the floor, buddy. So thank you for being medical doctors. Absolutely. The world needs doctors. No, thank that's you. a big, big thank, thank you. you. It is always amazing to me the different layer of tolerance that different people have for this kind of thing. I didn't. I was not this way in high school. I don't remember being this way. I'd be like, eh, you know, gory film, whatever. Those still don't. You know, do anything for me. I mean, well, horror films, I'm not so into. But but you're talking about seeing it on my camera own, versus seeing it actually happen to a person is very different. I accidentally dropped an exacto knife and it pierced my jeans, and you know, just the tiniest drop of blood started to form underneath, <laughs> and I got lightheaded. <laughs> I about hit the floor. I'm like, what is wrong with me? This is the funny conversation I've been having with my son it's as we're mountain biking more. Because <laughs> mountain biking, okay, I, I, I hate to say it, but you and I have experienced this. Mountain biking, it's not an if, it's a win. And what I mean by that is not that you're going to have something catastrophic, but you're going to come home scuffed up. At some point you are. Yes, yes. And it may not be bad, but you're going to come home scuffed up. Well, we always joke, don't look at the rock, don't look at the stump, to hit the rock, look yeah, at the rock, hit yeah, the rock. Exactly. Look exactly at the stump, right. you'll hit the stump. So my son... Uh, he has my wife for a mom, obviously, and she is always quite prepared. So he has a little like cubby underneath the seat of his bike okay. that has uh, Band-Aids in it okay. because his mom packed that, right? Okay, okay. So not that long ago, we were mountain biking, and he fell over, and he scuffed his knee. And I said, what I do, what I, happens to me, which is, huh, shake it off and get well, back in the game. That's dirty at a scrape, <laughs> and it's probably going to bleed down into my sock. But you know what? We got a lot more ride to do. Let's do it. He, ha- he had the, the thinnest of scrapes, and he pulled his bike off the side of the road and got out his water bottle and cleaned it and put on a Band-Aid, and I was like, this is actually happening right now. So it is amazing <laughs> to me the, the difference in people. Yeah. So funny. All right. So, Craig. His commute is now 20 to 20 miles, about 30 minutes, to the hospital six days a week. He is fortunate to drive on a country mountain road or the interstate to get to work. And both he and his wife take about the same amount of time. Oh, sorry. Both the mountain road or the both interstate roads. take yeah. the same yeah, yeah, amount yeah. of time. He's always loved driving. He wants his daily hour of driving to be as enjoyable and fun as possible. I like this. I like this a lot. His first car was his dad's old 1995 BMW 325i. 
1995 cars old now? Anyway, at this <clears> point, <throat> yes. Anything I guess over, they are. Anything over 25 years, right. and that hits it right there. Sheesh. Isn't that amazing? Yikes. All right. So while not everything worked, he loved it. He said it was cool and fun to drive. He cannot count the number of donuts he did in this thing. <laughs> Does your dad know how many donuts? Is there like a donut counter on the BMW? Where it's like, oh, yeah. Craig's been borrowing my car again. Uh-huh. There Donut. it is. That, those tires are real. You're wearing through those tires quick, son. <laughs> so, what exactly is happening? Yeah. So this lasted until he was halfway through college when he bought a base 2009 Mustang automatic transmission, which he had for seven years until the radiator broke. Okay. Hmm. You can get radiators fixed, but you clearly can. that was the death blow for that car. Seriously, yeah. a little JB Weld in the corner. Just paste that on there. Wait for hey, it to dry, and you're hey, good. I, I'm springing leaks. I, I'm, I'm the kid standing at a dam with the, with the yeah, leaking radiator fluid of the Phaeton. You just keep pouring I more keep in pouring from the top. I keep pouring K-Seal into it, and, it, and it, like, that was, that was fixed. And then another one goes, all right, I'm giving up. That, that keeps happening on that car, but yeah. That's also a little bit of a metaphor for what we think of your money. So you just keep pouring <laughs> in from the top, and it comes out from the bottom. We're not sure where it went. Oh, God. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right, so he... He and his wife own a 2015 base VW Jetta, which he hates. <laughs> no words minced there. Just, just we There's have no this more Jetta, description. He's just, which I hate. And I hate it. Well, but, but he does go on because they also have a 2013 Lexus RX 350. His wife really likes it. And so she now drives it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which means he's stuck in the Jetta, which brings us back to the sentence again, where Craig says, I hate this car. But they have no car payment. True. True. That is that the is the best. That is the that the is the upside. goal right We're there. We're about to solve that. About to fix your wagon. Yeah, we are. His dad was going to get rid of the Lexus yep. that he got from him. It's got one hundred and thirty-five thousand miles on it. While comfortable, yes, it's not a fun car. Cars that he's driven through friends and family include an early two thousands Miata, a nineteen eighties Land Rover Defender, a decommissioned Hummer H one. A Genesis Coupe, a Porsche Boxster, a 2015 Audi RS5, also an Audi A4, an 08 Infiniti G37S. There's a Q60 Sport in there. Recently drove a 2020 Audi Q8. There's an X3, X5, and a Camaro in there too. So right now the plan, well, for a while has been to sell the Jetta. He was going to get a different car, but he wants to get a two-seater coupe while his wife is very unsure. (laughs) Okay. They don't plan on kids until they finish residency, which is about five years out. I am no medical doctor, Craig. If you finish residency in five years and your wife gets pregnant instantly, mm. you could buy a brand new two-seat sports car now and six years from now decide it doesn't have enough seats. That's good math. I'm not a medical doctor, <laughs> and I'm really not good at math, but this, this is I'm the no biology as either. I understand it, Craig. I'm so also not an economist. I'm I understand that your planner. wife is unsure, but... You know, you could have two sports cars, three years each. You absolutely could. You could do two different sports car leases and turn it in. Well, And that's assuming that you finish residency in five years and she's pregnant like five years in a day. Huh. We don't need to shop for cars we think we're going to need in five to ten years from now. Just we as a collective group. Yes, the royal we. Shop for cars that you can enjoy now and you need now. I say this as a guy that's done this the wrong way. Sure. We'll get a brand new seven-seater. We'll need a seven-seater. We should be all-wheel drive. And then it was like, why do we have a seven-seater? There's three of us. What are we doing? Don't what luggage shop. are we carrying? Don't shop for the car you think you're going to need down the road. Shop for the car you can need and enjoy now. Anyway, sorry, rant over. Live for the now, caution to the wind. Just kidding. Well, anyway. A little bit. Maybe not. All right. So the sports car, this two-seater coupe, must be all-wheel drive as they live in the north with snow and mountains. We don't know what north means. It must have an automatic transmission. He doesn't know how to drive a manual. That's okay. okay. That's we need fine. to fix that, by the way, but that's okay. He also needs something that is reliable. If he okay. called, got called in for a trauma patient at 3 a.m., the car must work. He doesn't want a convertible. 
Lastly, he also wants something different. He just doesn't want to be a doc in an Audi. <laughs> Get it? Which is funny because I had Get gotten it. to this point of the email and I thought he wants a two-seater all-wheel drive. This might be the guy for an Audi TT. And then I read, nope, you don't want to be a doc in an Audi. So That's that got shot in the head. I agree with That's you. That's very funny. Yes. The current budget is $50,000 max. This includes money okay. from the Jetta, some saved money, and financing. Okay. That Lexus is staying? Really? Side note, if the Lexus stays, which it appears it is, which is fine, the argument about this car must always start is also out the window. Because if you are called at 3 a.m., Craig, and you need to get to work, yeah. take the Lexus. Now, granted, I understand you're both I, in residency. Your wife might already have it. Maybe. But I'm just thinking about the fact that you, it's not, it also won't be your only car in your life. Not that I want you in something unreliable, but I am just saying. Okay. All right. Well, the current top choices for Craig are as follows. First of all, a 2019 Genesis G70, the 3.3 liter sport okay. all-wheel drive. Yeah. They drove this car and they loved it. Mm-hmm. He says, great warranty, reliable, low-end torque, excellent handling. He said, it's just not as sporty and aggressive as he would like. It looks okay, not bad, but not really wow. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's a little bit pulled back, but that's the Genesis brand. They're not yeah. going to be super out there. Yeah. So he says he can find them with dealer discounts under fifty grand, and this is the car his wife thinks he should get. She likes it because he can drive their two dogs in it if needed. You need a cover craft cover for your back seat. Yes, you do if you're going to do it this because he does not get. want dogs in the back seat. He's worried about the hair and the tearing the up. And I hear you. Is the hovercraft rear seat yeah. cover okay for it really whatever? Is. Yeah. But he doesn't want to put the dogs in a nice car, so I get it. But yeah, he test drove it. They said it was a great experience. Second car on the list is a 2016 or 17 Jaguar F Type. Either the R or the S, coupe, mm-hmm. all-wheel drive. He loves this car, crazy fast, best sounding, great looking. He says, loudest exhaust he's ever heard. <laughs> he's not read about any major reliability issues, but he says it's difficult finding them for CPO under $50,000. Mm, okay, all right. Now, it has less space and will cost more for repairs and gas. Mm, yeah, okay, maybe. You know, the, the time in your life... To own that car, though, I yeah seems right like now. seems like right now. I agree. Now. With that. Yep. loves the power of the R. Not has not driven the S. I the the R. Here's the thing about the F type. It's it's more fun than you think. And now you have, have actually driven it, but just in general, it's more fun than people think it is. Mm-hmm. I really like that car quite a bit. I actually think the S is the play. I it just in general with that car because you yes oh, it I'm, keeps the price down. It does bit. keep the price down. It does keep the power down too. Because because it's, it's not, not nearly terrible, but it's still almost 400 horsepower, yeah. like 370 or so, it's and like it's a supercharged V6. So yeah. that is a good amount of power, but you get a less heavy lump up front, so the handling is a little more delicate. Now, if you're a person, you say you've got back road, so that's why I think the S is the play for you. If you've got um, Florida or Texas, mm-hmm. where it's just I, the only turn I take is my on ramp, and then it's freeway. You might prefer having the R's. You've just got the big grumbly uh, engine up there, but. I really like the V6 in that car. Mm. And you and I, a while back, drove the 400. Do you remember that? Oh. It was I, a, the 400. I made an impression. Was a limited edition all-wheel drive V6 with 400 horsepower. And it was honestly just about perfect. You know what was surprising about that car was the direct handling and the feedback despite it being all-wheel drive. Agreed. That's Agreed. what surprised yes. me. I was thinking, all right, this is going to feel a little bit heavy and vague and... Maybe a little bit Lexus-like, to be honest, and it wasn't. It was light. It was direct. It had good feel. And I thought, this is all-wheel drive? Are we sure? That was the thing. I remember I got out of it. We were at a press launch thing. I got out of it, 
and was really just kind of standing there by it, thinking about how much I'd enjoyed it. And, and you walked up and said, you know, this is, real, this is all-wheel drive, isn't it? And, and I said, no, it's not. <laughs> and you went around and showed me the badge. We're like, look, it's right here. It's all the wood road. And I was like, no. Yeah. That's it was very us. impressive. It was really good. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm looking at AMG GT's S's again. Oh, no. Darn it. See, that's. Darn see, me. Now, now you see. Uh, look, I like Auto Tempest too, but you're way, way off topic. Okay. We're 50 grand, and those aren't all wheel drive. <laughs> they're, they're not. Moving all on. Right. Yeah. Okay, back to Craig. So, let's see. He's test driven the above. He's considered a Mercedes Benz Formatic, an Alpha Julia, Panamera. What else do we have on the list? Okay. And yes, as far as pure hardcore sports cars, the list is small as far as what you want. Automatic and all-wheel drive. You've mm-hmm, covered mm-hmm. the Jag. BMWs with the X-Drive does come to mind. Those sure, are low-hanging sure, sure, fruit. Yeah. So you know anything really in the 2 Series flavor with the X-Drive, you can easily get. You could buy one brand new if you wanted to. But I'm just thinking uh, I, I'm torn between you liking that Genesis and it not being a two-door sports car. Mm-hmm. I hear and you. I making hear you. some other, other suggestions that are not sports cars. I hate yeah. to say it. Yeah. So you and I saw a Volvo V60 wagon brand new in town the other day. In red. We nearly broke our necks trying to look at this thing. It looked spectacular. It really did. It really did. It's a consideration, but I'm not sure it's quite I don't think right. it's fun enough. Yeah. Then I thought, all right, what about this wild card 2014 Mercedes E63 S wagon that I found for 50 grand? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bullet car right there. Yeah. All-wheel drive. You can yeah. put the dogs in the back. It doesn't look like a sports car, but it feels like it. Yeah. Did, did you say 50 grand you found one for? 50 grand. It's a 2014, so that's, it's not brand new. That's impressive, The though. interior is yeah. the prior generation, so it doesn't sure. have that amazing MBUX system yeah. that we yeah. really love. It's that's true. just a generation back. So bit of a wild card there. Then I toyed with the Mercedes GLA AMG 45, which we've recommended I, a lot. I had that on my list, too. That is an interesting car because it is kind of the best of all worlds. It's a gentleman's hatch. Yeah. It's got yeah. turbo punch. You can get the dogs in the back, fold the seats, and put the Covercraft car cover back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it feels like you could get after it. You know, For when you sure. want just sports sure. car fun, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 50 grand will almost get you a new one. But how about a 2018? Yeah, and, and they drop and they drop fast. They too. do. You can save some serious money and get into a really fun. I, I love your gentleman's hatch description because that's the right right description and for sure. That's mostly the direction that I'm leaning because okay. it is a little bit more useful. The Jag I love. Yes mm. to the Jag. Yes to the mm. BMW X Drive. Anything sports car. Sure. I'm just saying, you know, that AMG 45, that engine, man, so nice. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah. The BMW X3 X-Drive 30i starts at almost forty-four grand, But I okay. don't know that that's quite right. And that mm. led me to a Cayenne. It almost seems like oh, interesting. The, the best of everything. Because I do like how Cayennes handle. Now, mm. they're no sports car. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. But you're going to be shocked at how well they drive. Mm-hmm. And it's Cayenne. It's going to run. It's going to start. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah, Winter yeah. is no problem. Road trips... The big problem with it, of course, is that you already have another SUV. You've got the Lexus. Yeah, I hear you. So I guess I come back to the Mercedes, the hmm. GLA AMG 45. I think it's okay. it's still hatchy. Okay. I, handily, hey, I had it on my list. Hot-ish. I like know, it. Somewhere in there. That's where I'm at. I like it. Craig, I've got a couple for you. I, I think your listing of sedans is interesting. I'd love for you to be in a sedan. Uh, I, I see where you wound up, Paul. I see why. The, the Genesis is interesting. 
it kind of guides me through here a little bit. I like that you like it. The G the G seventy is great. If you watch our blue cars episode from season four, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. That is blue might cars. be season five. Anyway, that I don't even remember anymore. It's all a blur. <laughs> it's a blur of cars. But it was blue cars because we got the brand new three series. We got the G seventy and we got the Alpha Julia, and they all just happened to show up and be blue. We went well. I guess it's an episode about blue cars. <laughs> I guess what so. We're there you go. Is. But blue cars. The thing I will say is. The Genesis G70 we really like, mm-hmm. and you really like. You need to cross shop it with the Julia. You need to at least drive a Julia in all-wheel drive form. Now, yeah, he's, you, you he's said got you're, it on you're, his list. you're curious about it. Yeah, you definitely should drive it because it, it isn't as powerful as the G70. And so, if it's power that, that where that's letting you down, fine. Then it might not work at all because the Quadrifoglio is not all-wheel drive, and it's out of your budget. You could buy used ones, but it's out of your budget. I was going to say those are like. I bet you could find one for fifty. You a used one, you absolutely could. But then your mm-hmm. questions about reliability, even though Todd and I think they'll be just fine. Well, but I think the bigger issue is him, him wanting auto uh, all wheel drive. I think that is actually okay. the death blow right, of that. Fair enough, fair enough. So all wheel drive, Julia. But here's the thing: if you go spec one, you could make it look really great mm-hmm. and have it in all wheel drive. Now True. it's not that powerful. It's, it's about two hundred and seventy horsepower and torque. It yeah. feels like more candidly. Every time we drive that in the base form, we're like, this feels more powerful than it claims. I'm trying to remember the weight of those cars. And I want to say the Genesis was up there as one of the heavier cars. The Julia kind of surprised us a little bit. They're all in the, the mid-3,000 range. Similar. Yeah, they're all in that, that similar range. So I mm. think you need to cross-shop that with the all-wheel drive. Because here's the thing I think. I think your problems with the Genesis are solved in the Julia. It has sportier handling. Mm-hmm. And it has a sportier, more unique look. Indeed. And I say that liking the Genesis a lot, but based on the things you don't like about the Genesis, the Julia might check the boxes. You also mentioned the Panamera. I want to talk about that in two different directions real quick. I like that you're, not, you're concerned about being a doctor in an Audi, but you're not concerned about being a doctor in a Porsche. I don't see a problem. Uh, so yeah, the, you would like the Panamera. It is yeah. pretty much one of the best all-wheel drive sedans to drive. It really is. Yeah. But if you're going to go there, let's just go there. And I, what I mean is no Panamera, 911 why aren't we talking 4S? Uh, did you just recommend a 911 on the podcast? I just rec- recommended a Porsche 911, and you didn't even mention it. That's the bigger point. So I think. Well, I. I, I think 50 grand. Like this. Buy yourself a used 911 4S. All wheel drive, great sporty handling. Now you're a doctor in a Porsche 911, but that's okay. Honestly, you, you, you could fit the dogs in the back, but really, it's basically a two seat car. It's pretty much a two-seat car. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you get the 991, 992, it starts to get almost usable back seats, but you may be in a 997 4S here, and you would love that car. You would. I don't think you're in a 991 at 50 grand. I don't though. think so either. I Not a 4S. I think you're in a 997 yeah, I think so too, which you'd 4S. love that car. Watch our 50 years of 911 and tell me, Craig, you don't want a 911 now. Well, since we're talking 911s, Craig, you could go back to 996 and get a turbo 996 Yes, for the same yes. price, like a cherry, he beautiful, could. low-mile turbo. But I think he'd prefer the 997. I like the 997 better, but, woo, if, but I, if you're up for it, woo. I, I read this email, and I, I don't understand, it, especially when you go as far, Craig, as to say you've driven the Panamera. I don't understand why the 911 isn't discussed. And so I think it, believe it or not, is actually being overlooked here. And it may be the answer for you to get your sports car with some usability, all-wheel drive, capability, all winter. Hi, 
Doubtful it'll be CPO at fifty grand for a nine nine seven. I think they're a little bit too far. But, but I, think, I don't think it matters. I think, and then hmm. follow me here. I don't mean to overstate this, but I think your typical Porsche owner almost makes things CPO. Most <laughs> Porsche nine eleven owners okay. fall into one of two camps. Okay, they either are serious car people and they take meticulous care, care of all their cars all the cars they've had because they're meticulous car people, or they finally have a 911. They've never owned a sports car. So the minute the thing hiccups, they could take it to the dealer. I don't think they're typically are 911 owners that are not in one of those two camps. So as a result, I think, uh, look, I am broad stroking Ferrari this discussion here. Yes, they do. But I think in general, you're going to have a 911 that has probably been pretty well cared for. And then Ooh. the 911 culture is so meticulous about the pre-purchase inspection and the number of over-revs and the big report. Have you seen the report for the 911? With It's so meticulous that you're going to find out more about that car in pre-purchase inspection from a private owner than you would probably almost any other brand. But you have to promise to drive it. You do. Yes. I mean, then all you're in a winter, dock in a 911. But all winter, winter tires, doesn't matter, rain, snow, you can get to the hospital. That car will be reliable. We've had one of those weird moments. You didn't talk Porsche 911, and I did. But you're also spending more because I think the one you really want is going to be just above 50. If you – a uh, C4S997, they're like the bottom I think is 50. Somebody know. correct I, me. I, I think he's going to find one for that. I think, I think, the think the that may be is. the sweet spot. Because then you're going to find a nicer one and be like, oh, I could justify he, that's, 54. Now, see, that's the That's, that's the what shift. I'm talking about. That's the shift. I see where you're going, yeah. So you're spending the money this time around. <laughs> We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. Griot's is a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, I learned all my certified Paul-owned car care styles from Griot's. And now you can tune up your car care routine. What you need is a foam cannon. Create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway. Foaming requires little to no work and avoids wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way and super fast and cool to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what foaming is all about. I'll tell you right now, it's made cleaning faster. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Livio is 16 and lives in Romania, okay, where you can awesome. get a driver's license at 18. Okay. But both his mom and dad think cars are just to get from point A to point B, and somehow he grew up liking cars. <laughs> the disease is contagious, but it also can just spur itself randomly. So his uncle, who loves cars, owns mm -hmm. an Audi A6 1.9 TDI. It's a 2000. Okay. He loves it. I think that's great. His uncle loves it, and he loves it as well. Yeah, I think yeah. both these car nuts love it, of course. He's had it for 16 years, always worked on it himself. His uncle did. But mm -hmm. a few days ago, he told Livio that he wants to give it to him when he turns 18, and he thought he was kidding, but he wasn't. That's amazing. And he said he wants to get a new car. He wants to get a 911. Okay. All right. And he said that he doesn't want to end up 
with somebody who won't take care of it. He wants to keep it in the family. He wants to know where that A6 is going and that it's well cared for. And here he's got his nephew who loves the thing. He said, <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. And Livia was like, no, you're joking. He said, no, no, I'm, I'm actually going to give you this car. <laughs> yeah. So question number one is, how does Livia convince his parents about the car? Because his uncle tried to tell his mom that she told him the car is not safe and it's too powerful for a first car. And he hasn't told her that, you know, he talked with Livia already. Yeah, and yeah. so there's side conversations going on. And then once everybody figures out that we've talked about this on the podcast, then everybody will, you know, hear the whole story. Well, here. the whole family is currently listening. I just <laughs> I, want to say hello to Livia's family because I, they're all currently listening. I also, yes. I'm reading in here. I don't know for sure. I'm reading in here. I think this is mom's brother. Oh, I, I'm very sure I it is. think yes. there is an element here of you're my brother. I don't believe you. You uh-huh. don't get to tell my son stuff. I think that's going oh, on sure. here. I've got other things to unpack, but I also think – I don't think this is dad's brother. I think this is mom's brother. <laughs> and extra toes got stepped on. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Question number two is do we think the car is too powerful and or unsafe? For him as a first-time driver. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So keep in mind this is a 1.9 diesel from 2000. From 2000. An Audi. 20-year-old yeah. car. Okay. So postscript is his parents drive a Ford Kuga 1.5. This is 120 horsepower from 2017. Parentheses, which I hate. <laughs> He's not a fan, but okay. And they gave his brother their old Renault symbol 1.5 diesel from 2008. It's got a broken clock spring for like a year. And he says the car has no airbags. <laughs> no working airbags. There is a lot to unpack here. There is. Livia, thanks for writing, first of all. Very cool. Love your story. Glad that you're listening, too. That's awesome. This applies to everybody growing up. I mean, my story is my parents didn't really think about safety. They just thought about what they could afford to get me and my sister into. That was just, I think we can provide a car for you and your sister to drive, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to shuttle each other to high school. And my sister was a senior, and I was a sophomore, and she drove me to school, and then, you know, the whole thing. (laughs) <laughs> so we shared a car. Yeah. And it yeah, was yeah. a rust trap. <laughs> 1977 Jeep Cherokee. Okay. That yeah. You could see the gas needle move as you're driving on the freeway. Oh, yeah. Quadratrack was always in all-wheel drive. And they weren't thinking necessarily, wow, is this the safest thing? Maybe that had already crossed their minds because it was this giant hulking SUV. And they didn't. They were like, okay, <laughs> nobody's going to want to turn into you. So... <sighs> In the year 2000, human beings were pretty much the same as we are today, right? Essentially, as, as far yes. as our compositional makeup, yes, and the fact that we're we're frail, you know, as humans, yes. and you know, our bones can break easily, mm-hmm. and we can get injured easily, and we're <laughs> we're about the same. I see where you're going. Twenty years ago, yeah. as we are today, right? Yeah. It just that's what I thought, because that was the tech from 2000 when humans were also just as vulnerable as they are today. And it was after required airbags, and it was an Audi A6, not a base car, which means it was a little bit further along in technology than other stuff from 2000. Good points. All good points. I just, I think, well, yeah, it was designed to keep humans safe then. What changed? Mm. Is it just because it's quote-unquote old mm-hmm. that it's not as safe? Are we now equating old with safety? Because I can show you cars that are safer, that are older than today's cars Mm, interesting point i would take that as a challenge okay i bet you i could find cars with better crash (laughs) ratings that are older say 10 years older 15 years older Mm. 
that got better ratings then than some new cars now. Interesting. Just point. because every car is new doesn't mean it's got the best crash Fair safety point. ratings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, why are we just concentrating on crashing? <laughs> The first well, thing out of your head is yes. safety. Well, it, there's just crashing going on. We're just going to crash yes. into the world. Uh-huh. How about you as a driver get good? Mm, there you go. How about you as a driver, maybe your uncle who loves cars is a good driver and can teach you things about using that particular car mm, interesting. and getting good with it. Interesting. Therefore, making you a more attentive, safe driver because I will maintain the safer cars have the better drivers and the cars that can outbreak, out accelerate mm. and outmaneuver the accident in the first place. Interesting points. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I don't think it's too powerful. It's a turbo diesel. Uh, yeah. yeah you got to yeah. like pound stakes to see if you're even moving, right? Just about, yeah. Dad joke. I get all my jokes from my dad. Anyway. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so no, I don't think it's too powerful. No, I don't think it's unsafe. And I think if you as an enthusiast and a growing enthusiast, learns to become a good driver, it will only prove my point. This is excellent. This is excellent. Uh, Livio, I, I think this is, um, this is a fascinating conversation, and I'm going to try to unpack this from your side, and I'm going to try to unpack it from your parents' side. Okay. So, so hang on. This is okay. going to get crazy. First off, I think it's great that your uncle has recognized your interest in cars, and he's fed that into you. Awesome. It's cool when you find that kind of car mentor. You know what? Take it out of cars for a second. A mentor in the hobby you found for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So I'm glad that he's there and he's doing that. I think it's amazing he wants to offer you this car. Parents, for a second. Hang on just a second. Free car. <laughs> free car. Okay? Just Step from, one. From the parental budget perspective, free car. Okay, you this have another true. child actually, coming along that's who zero. needs a car, free car. Yeah. And I'm going to say this. Also, it's a car. Look, you buy a used car of any kind and you have those questions about how is this cared for? You know how it was cared for. You know how it's been cared for since it was brand new. You will no never find inspection necessary. You will never find a car you could get your son with a better history than the one that is being offered to you for free. And good maintenance means the car's safe because it theoretically won't break quite as And you frequently. can call the owner and go, what happened with this thing? You know him. You've met. Okay? So these are the things that make the car buying part of the parent equation easier. Now let's speak to is this too much car? And I've got a couple ways to unpack this because I think there's a couple other things going on with you that you don't realize. First off, I do not think this is too much car for you. You've no. mentioned that your parents have a 120-horsepower car from 2017. Uh, the Renault symbol has less than that. I looked this Audi up. Oh, did you? Good. The 1.9-liter diesel okay. has about 115 horsepower, ah. about 200 pound-feet of torque. Okay. It weighs in, for those of us in the U.S., 3,200 pounds, so that is about 1,470 kilograms. That's a little bit lighter than I thought, actually. A little bit lighter than I th- because of the era, okay? Interesting. But it's an Audi A6. It's not even the base Audi. Audi A6, which means it's going to have airbags. Mm-hmm. All that's going to exist. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's not going to be no airbags or just one in the wheel. It's going to have stuff. Okay, <laughs> It isn't all that powerful, and it weighs a decent amount but not too much. This is not going to be a powerhouse of a car. But because it's a diesel, it's going to have takeoff power. 
mm-hmm. which is probably one of the reasons that you like it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this is not, in general, like an Autobahn bomber, big, heavy-duty car. No, no, so no. I think it is a perfectly acceptable car for you in comparison to the other stuff that your parents drive. It's not going to be a big powerhouse by comparison. But now let me flip it around <laughs> to the parent issues. <laughs> Your parents have a car from 2017. They gave your brother a car from 2008. You're going to go eight years older than the oldest car they own. Right. That has instantly flipped switches in your parents. Hi, parents. I'm here for you. Where you're, where you're thinking that car must be too old. But again, I'm going to go back to that Audi in the year 2000 was probably 10 years farther along in technology than the Econobox Fords and Renaults of the time. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. look at it as if it's about a 2010 comparatively to the other stuff you guys have owned. You've got a inexpensive Ford and an inexpensive Renault. I bet you that 2008 Renault is about as safe as a 2000 Audi. Easily. I'm stretching things, I realize, I'll, but I'll you see give what I'm you saying. That. Well, that has to do with my conversation about going backwards in yes. time. Just because it's new doesn't mean it automatically has the best rating. But luxury cars are always farther ahead on safety. So a 2000 or they put more development Audi, to yes. Them. So there's that. So I don't think that's as much of an issue, even though the initial parent thing is that's a pretty old car. I get it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's a problem. But then here's this. And I wonder if you or anybody in your family have thought of this. I think this is going on. Okay. The parents have a Ford Kuga. The other thing is a Renault. The minute an Audi shows up in the drive and we say we gave that to our younger son, oh. he now has, air quotes here, the nicest car in the family. He mm. has the car with the prestige badge. Why are you spoiling your son? That's a good point. I think that's going on here, parents. I think it's going on, Livio. I think this is an issue where there's a perception problem with this car. Mm. On top of what's been stated, too powerful, unsafe. I don't think it's either. I think it's... Perfectly fine for you. As you a, think that's but the, I think there's the a, question behind the there's question. A, there's an unspoken thing where the, what's the perception if my son has a luxury car? What does that say? Well, it's an old car and it was given to us. Free car. Mm. I, I don't think this is as easy as it appears. Livy, I want you to give your parents some leeway here to be your parents. And parents... I want you to disconnect yourself from the badge and recognize this is a free car from a known source, and it's not anything more powerful than the stuff you have. I think there's a middle ground here. I think this can be solved, but I'm encouraging both sides to walk in with respect for each other and understand where you're coming from, and hopefully this helps. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. It's a question over here on social media I had not gotten to from Back9Ben if we were given the opportunity to run Mm. a car maker for 10 years, full decade. Which brand would we choose, and what would the lineup look like at the end of 10 years? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I guess, Ben, we can start whenever and end whenever. We can go back. We can start now and <laughs> okay. whatever. I think the, the concept is we take one over now and we, we deal with it for the next 10 years. What will we do? I think he's kind of imagining like we dropped in right now. Mm. I'm choosing BMW. Oh, okay. All right. I'm choosing them because they have this history of fun, lightweight sports cars, the rear-wheel drive, front engine. Mm-hmm. Sure. The sure, classic, sure. the classic look yeah, yeah, yeah. that could be a, a way into the brand. It could be driving fun and continue the BMW ethos, the brand, mm-hmm. the core mm-hmm. of what BMW yeah. is all about. yeah. yeah. While still pushing on technology over here because they've established the i3 and the i8 and now the i4 and all these cool new things. Honestly, they're cool. They have so many niches they could go anywhere. They really could. I think because of that and because right now, this very minute, they don't really know who they want to be. They don't know who they want to become. They're not quite as bad as Infinity. (laughs) But they don't know. <laughs> was that a shot? That that was that was, was a that shot. Out, I heard it. I felt loud? it. In fact, yeah, it might have yeah. been out loud. I can't control my inner monologue sometimes. So I I look at BMW because you've got tech, you've got the the sports car, this halo image in people's minds because you built the 2011 One M, mm-hmm. this monster, this cool thing. You could keep that going, and because it does come back to my comment about making. A driver's car that is entry level and fun while over here on the other spectrum of things you've got tech you've got the autonomous thing you've got the electric mm, whatever yeah. and you can go anywhere with your styling and that's going to be part of what i explain about in my upcoming beaver tea video but i think these two extremes wouldn't necessarily apply to every car manufacturer mm. couldn't do it to alfa romeo yeah i wouldn't do yeah Lexus had seemed kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Porsche, they kind of already do that. I'll be yeah, honest. Okay, all right. They, they, I mean, Caymans are not inexpensive, but they've got Caymans and they've got you know Panamera hybrids yeah. and they've got the Taycan. Yeah, the and, Taycan costing know, ridiculous all this money. cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what about BMW? Mercedes mm. just has an endless amount of tech, and they're 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 trendsetters. Honestly, I do mm. believe they're, at they're the moment they are yeah. very much back in a big way. Mm-hmm. But BMW just is kind of. We don't know which way should we go. Mm-hmm. I'm looking I over see. there, and that's cool. And they're doing something cool, and we need to latch onto that. And I just, I think I'd choose BMW. I think I'd, I'd really work on the styling. I would sit down. <laughs> you're about with to the design team. This is what's great is you're about to work on the styling, and I'm and very excited I, to see what you come up with for sure. I just, I have this idea that's it's taken a while to formulate because with the Beaver Teeth that are out there on the on the new Four Series. It could almost look like anything. I'll explain this in the video, but I just... (laughs) Here's the preview. It's it's taken a while to really understand what they need to not be. Mm. And that's where I'm going. I like that. I'm looking forward to seeing that for sure. Zachary writes in on Facebook, and I almost felt like this was pointed right at me, so I'm going to answer it. What was your most recent experience while driving where you thought to yourself, well, that was really stupid. I should not have done that. What was really stupid of me to do? I had one not that long ago, Mm. and I'm not saying I am not bragging. Uh I mentioned this to Paul when I got here because it happened on my way to come over to the podcast. I was driving the Lotus. Oh, yeah. And the exit to get to Paul's off the freeway has a tendency to bog down with lots of big trucks. I mean, trucks hauling stuff, mm-hmm. you know, pick up with a bunch of construction stuff in the back, somebody pulling a trailer, stuff going slow, okay? 
And so what I will typically do when I go close, close to Paul's exit, and I mean, look, I mean like two miles away from his exit, I will get left lane and start passing those guys. Because also, if I sit behind him in the Lotus, I can't see a thing. You can't see, and you're asking for rock chips yes. and all so of that. So I'm in the left lane to do my best to get past. Also, there's 18 wheelers in that lane. <laughs> Seriously, there's 18 wheelers in that yeah. lane, all kinds of stuff. And it just worked. And typically, that's no problem. I can find a spot to get in before the exit and all that kind of stuff. This time... I had somebody bombing up behind me. I'm in the left lane, 18 wheelers in the right lane. There was a pickup in front of me, big pickup, and they got right, right in front of an 18 wheeler. And then I had somebody coming up behind me and I realized I'm out of time. Mm. And the next exit, honestly, Mm. I'm not kidding you, is almost 10 minutes down. So I needed to get here. The next exit was almost 10 minutes down. I should have just stayed and gone for the next exit. And I went in yeah. one move from left lane. I'm not proud of this. From left lane in front of the big pickup who had an 18-wheeler behind him and made the exit in one fluid changing. I mean, essentially went across three lanes in one move. Ooh. And I had the top oh. off, and I lifted my hand up with the best I'm sorry motion I could do. And I got done, and I thought, first off, if anything goes wrong in the Lotus, I lose. I just did. I, <laughs> I, lo- true, I lose. I am this the little true. tiny minnow on the street. And secondly, I should have just gone to the next exit. And I kicked Which myself. Which was a lot farther down. It wasn't it's, just the next exit. I, I need, it's a yeah, you have to understand. Track, it just happens to actually. be a long way down, which yeah. is why I decided to be stupid. And But honestly, from when I exited to when I got to your house, I even got here and I told you the story because I was like, that was really Sheesh. dumb. And then Paul, Paul added the fantastic little cherry on the top of my stupidity. He said, yeah, not only was that stupid, but you are the only yellow lotus for 100 miles around. Just saying. <laughs> it's not like you're unknown. If anybody wanted to follow you and be angry, they're going to find you. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was really stupid. Do not do as I do. That was bad. Back to ugly. Kirk Carson on Facebook says, how do cars this ugly? He's referencing the new 4 Series. How do they make it to production? Ego, Kirk. Ego. Mm, interesting. It takes the best bosses and managers to step back and promote their employees' best ideas. Isn't that what you want out of a manager? The managers take a step back instead of putting their thumbprint on it because I think everybody has stood around and everybody's just not getting any outside opinion walking into the studio mm. and somebody going, whoa, what people, there? what are you yeah. doing? That's ugly. And everybody looking at them like they're growing a third ear out of their forehead and <laughs> what? Sometimes people need to be told that. And when they're too long in a project, you guys know this, when you're too deep in a project, you've been working on it too long and you step back and you go, I don't know where I am. I need Mm -hmm. some perspective. Mm -hmm. Will you read this draft? Will you look at this image? Will you help me out with the thing that I'm working on? Because I am, I'm in tunnel vision. I don't know where I'm at. What's going on? That happens like crazy. Look, I'm just going to give you a personal example because it's one very much on my mind right now. The novel that I finished, I sent out to beta readers. Yeah. Because okay, it's vital okay, to yeah. get that kind of outside perspective. I think I know what works in the novel. And I think I know where I've filled holes and it makes logical sense and this kind of stuff comes back. And then you get the the, the response. And I've, this has happened with me with screenplays and all kinds of stuff. You get the response back. And invariably, there's stuff in the responses where it's like, I didn't even know that was an issue. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't even know that that didn't come across or that went that way. And two or three people will say something and you realize when a couple of people are – all connecting to the same thing, you better go fix that. Yeah, yeah. But you have to just, you have to give it up and it's really hard to learn. Yeah. You have to give it up and be like, uh, this is my baby, please take care of it and know that it's going to come back bruised. And you're in your bubble and you're yeah. just working yeah. away and you need that perspective. I think that's why things come out and they 
they try to convince themselves, no, 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 this is it. And everybody, when, when the, the din grows so loud and you keep insisting, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's hard to stand on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. Got a question here from Gary the Cycling Nerd. Can we make the case for the four-cylinder Supra instead of an EcoBoost Mustang or a four-cylinder Camaro? Mm. And his question is, is the experience of the Supra driving-wise ten to $15,000 better? Yes. What? Who said that? I actually think you're right, Paul, but I think it depends in time. See, here's the, here's the problem. It's difficult <laughs> to quantify monetarily what's better. Define exactly. what appeals to and you as a driver. Because this is the key thing. If you're a person who you like the feel of the Mustangs and Camaros – if you just you've you've owned many of them, yeah, you like that feel. I guarantee you're going to prefer that over the Supra. I, I feel confident. There, that you there's will. no convincing you otherwise either. I, I think I yeah. think you get in a four cylinder EcoBoost Mustang or a four cylinder Camaro, you're going to like that more than the Supra, and you're going to go, why on earth is the Supra more expensive than this? This is awesome. Mm. Okay, but if you're a person who is chasing light, agile first and foremost, and and you're coming in with kind of no brand loyalty, I think if you were to Take prices out of the equation for a second. Drive all three, the Mustang, the Camaro, and the Supra. I think you would come out going, the Supra is the best driver's car. Now you have to step back and go, ooh, Mm -hmm. can I spend that much more? Mm -hmm. Or conversely, have I lost so much in the others that are cheaper that I could buy right now or for so much cheaper that I'll miss what I had in the Supra? The problem is we, and and I do mean we, you and I have a great episode coming up in season seven where we have, we did it. We have the four-cylinder Supra yeah, yeah. and the 86, yeah, this and there is, is cool. a $16,000 price difference between the two, and you and I do not agree. Yeah, this is going to be interesting, We too. do not agree, <laughs> and so it's right what you're talking about, Gary, but the problem is you almost have to figure out, independent of price, what car speaks to me, mm-hmm. and then justify the price for yourself, and it can go the other way. You can get into a $150,000 sports car that you're supposed to love and then get into a $15,000 used Miata and go, I want the Miata. That's the reverse sure. It can go the sure. other way. Driving fun is actually not connected to price. There's a third option, too, and that is admitting the car you want and the car that is the better driving experience you can't afford. And you come back and you say, all right, that's the one I want. I can't do that. So mm. I'm backing off to this one and yes. I'm happy with it. Yes, that's hard, that, too. That's also difficult. All right, there is a <clears throat> big room full of rakes question from our friend Andrew Dammit Patton. He's asking, what is the best way to ask a significant other to not put items on your car? Mm. He found out <laughs> that while his fiance was working on in the garage, she's been putting her phone on his car. Unfortunately, he inadvertently drove off with her phone still on his car, and she was very upset about it. And he mentioned, well, maybe it wasn't a good idea to do that. <laughs> there was your problem. <laughs> That, that was where you went. You were doing fine, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. That's right there where you went because wrong. Because he spent time in the doghouse there. And mm-hmm. so how do you address your car enthusiasm measured up against preciousness with someone who might not share that same kind of mentality? First of all, it, it's less pointing out the, uh, hey, not a good idea because that is you're, – you're getting into implications that that person did something wrong. Yes. And when you start to imply that they did something wrong, that's the reason you spent time in the doghouse. <laughs> we see, uh, honestly, Andrew, I think you saw the pieces forming and you just walked on in there anyway. You just said, I'm, I'm going uh-huh. here. Yeah. 
But you can always say, hey, you can always ask that person to not do that. That's perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, yeah. would you... You know, next time, would you maybe consider doing something else? That's perfectly fine. In this case, it wasn't like a handbag with some beads on the bottom, you know, that (laughs) might take some paint off as it scrapes off or something larger and heavier. Andrew has a Camaro, which to to his fiance's credit, who we've met as well. Yes, we know. The Camaro is is somewhat table shaped. A phone. I get it. It's a small thing, but it can scratch. It can scratch. So I think where you're at is really just saying, hey, for future, just future reference, maybe find, you know, could you find a different place to do that? I totally get it. You were maybe weren't even thinking about it. You just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do that. I set my phone down. I can't remember where I put it sometimes. <laughs> like, sure. oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There it is. On a shoot, we'll set things down and like, does anybody have the gaffer tape? I'm like, I set it down and I was moving fast and I threw it in the car. And I, I, I saw it after I shoot yesterday. I can tell you right where it is. Okay. But it's always lost. But we set stuff down, especially when we're moving quickly and we're moving on to the next thing. I'm not putting it back where it goes. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. it back and I got to move on. Have you had this terrible experience? Sorry, I'm going to come back, Andrew, but have you had this terrible experience with your phone? I've done this, bonehead that I am. I put my phone down, gone on to do something else, wondered where my phone was. Then I've thought, I should call it. Then I realized, <laughs> I don't have my phone. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> I should call my phone. There's nobody uh, else in the house. That's I funny. have no way to call a phone because I don't have a phone. And if I had my phone, I'd call my phone and the problem would be solved. Andrew, um, it's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this back to something I've had to learn as not only a spouse, but also as a parent. You cannot be mad about something you have not already set a boundary for. It's a good you point. You just can't be. It's a good point. Okay. So if you don't want anything set on your car, that's perfectly acceptable. You have to set that standard when everyone is calm and you're not currently talking about that subject. Hey, would you do me a favor? Mm-hmm. I would appreciate it if. And then you have to also have in yourself the understanding that accidents then still happen. But you can't be mad about something or tell somebody that they shouldn't have done something that was never discussed as having a boundary at all. The one problem with that is you might not have thought to set up that boundary Absolutely. until the first time it happens. Welcome and, to parenting. And now you know to set the boundary, but I didn't know before because I didn't know that was a thing. You have never said the sentence, don't put that in your mouth, about so many things until you become a parent. And now it's like, what? Because in your head as an adult, you're going, you would never think to do that. And a child just did. So now you have uh-huh. to go, that's not something we do. And you end up saying right. the most absurd things. You and your fiance are adults. I, you, I, you will have a rational conversation about this, but that's what happens. It's going to have to happen, and it did. And then you're going to have to have a conversation about, I would appreciate it if. Mm. And uh, be calm and talk about it when you're not already angry. That's Indeed. helpful, too. Indeed. All right. What else you got on here? Let's see. You know, there's this question really quickly. Uh, uh, what is it? Am- Amatore 911. Oh, do, yeah. Do Good we one. have dedicated wheels for taking our car to the track, or do we run the tires that we, we commute in? I think this depends on your amount of track time. To answer the question personally, I do not have a separate set of wheels and tires for tracking. I might do two track days a year in the Lotus. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I just enjoy driving. I do Canyon Roads. It's all the same tires ideal. In fact, I need new tires now that I think about it. Thanks for bringing it up. So I don't do that. But if you are tracking every weekend, if you're going to autocross a lot, if that's a regular thing, get yourself some dedicated wheels and tires. To think about it another way, I'm going to drive all winter in a lot of my cars. They're going to be driven daily in the winter, so I have a separate set of wheels with winter tires because that's going to be four months out of the year. Seth K., last question from me on Twitter, says, what's the process? He's looking, he's looking at our Instagram feed. 
where we had <laughs> two Supers and an 86 dropped off. We just had two LC500s dropped off. We're getting a steady flow of cars. He said, what is the process for getting cars, more specifically hot or desirable cars, from the manufacturers? How is this possible? Here's the funny thing that's happening right now, Seth. First off, there's a much there's 10 years' worth of effort on our part to get to a place where we have a platform and manufacturers want to give us cars. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. You, you can't just show up at the press fleet and be like, I'd like a car, please. They're going to have to understand what on earth you're going to do with it and how you have a platform. That has been hard fought for us. And I will tell you, honestly, to this day, we still fight to get certain cars. And look, read, pick a magazine. Pick a magazine that's been around for 100 years. You will still see comparisons where they're like, we couldn't get blank car for this comparison. Yeah, right. And they get cars all the time, much easier than we even do. So there's always a fight. But we have at least – we're on manufacturer's radars enough now that we can ask for anything. We won't get everything. But we can ask for anything. But what's really funny is this year – so many press launches got canceled that a strange phenomenon has occurred. The manufacturers, since they can't gather journalists together, mm-hmm. are putting cars on trucks and shipping them around the, around the nation. And for Paul and I, we prefer it. Much prefer it. We get Absolutely. the car for two, three days. In the case of this LC500 uh, convertible that isn't even allowed to be past the embargo yet, it's literally traveling the country right now, as the Super four-cylinder was. Mm-hmm. We got it for three days. Yep. But if you compare it to a press launch where you'll be in it for a day, we got it for three days. But you won't even be in it for a day exactly. sometimes. You might have three laps on track with the chief engineer next to you. So as weird as it is, as much as there's really cool things that happen at a press launch, we, because of the roads we have and the way we shoot, if you want to truck us a press car instead of sending us to a press launch, we will take that car. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate it. It's you that makes the podcast. Keep sending your debates, your Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, TV at gmail.com and write to us, you know, whatever's on your mind. And, for sure. You know, love it. Love you try to read you. it all. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. Cheers, everyone.